0: As Amy mentioned in the liturgical calendar, it's Trinity Sunday, and we decided to use this occasion to reflect on the many names of God. I've been thinking of this as Trinity-ish Sunday. It's also a holiday weekend, as she said, in secular calendar, it's go out and go camping. So I decided I'm just going to share some stories this morning, vignettes from my life related to just a few of those many, perhaps infinite, names of God. So, snapshot one, growing up. While a young girl growing up in the church, I was accustomed to the traditional Trinitarian conception of God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, or Holy Spirit. I remember thinking it strange to call God a ghost, holy or otherwise. I also recall a strong and clear sense that God was male, that God needed to be male because of the order of creation that I believed in at that time. God, angels, men, women. I also recall that while God could be loving, I knew firstly that God was authoritative, even harsh, and that God's love wasn't sappy or cheap. It was love, but it wasn't sappy and it wasn't cheap. It was more of a tough love kind of situation. God was king and judge and kicking Satan's butt in a cosmic boxing match, a la Carmen's epic 8-minute, 39-second spoken song, The Champion. Anybody else know this? Am I the only one in the room who knows Carman? Wow. The Italian stallion of contemporary Christian music. I could still probably sing, speak every word, but I could not bring myself to listen to it this week to test myself, but I probably could. And it really is—it's a cosmic boxing match with like Jesus giving it to Satan. Since we're on the topic of contemporary Christian music, which did comprise the soundtrack of my this era of my life, I'll also mention that a favorite of mine was Amy Grant, and she sang a strange yet beautiful name of God, El Shaddai, which, as Amy preached a few months ago, means "breasted one." I didn't know that at the time, but I recently re-listened to some vintage Amy Grant. She's one that I can go back and listen to, and a lot of her stuff stands up, even now. And perhaps that helped me, somehow, to embrace even more names of God later in life. Snapshot two, college. I recall vividly the first time I was really granted permission by another and myself to image God as female. It was my first year at Goshen College. I was on spiritual retreat with the campus pastor in a small circle of women students, and I recall doing some guided meditation, which was also strange and new to me. I recall lots of spaciousness, and I recall a sketch in my journal. I don't know where the journal is, but I can picture the sketch, of walking hand-in-hand hand alongside a stream with a God who was female. And I recall crying, being able and willing for the first time in my life to imagine God in this way was balm. It felt healing to me, and borderline wrong, given those early childhood messages. For me, it was revolutionary. More revolutionary than it actually is. Snapshot three, later college. I recall preaching my first sermon. It was Community Mennonite Church of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I was participating in the ministry inquiry program. It was a blue moon. That is the second full moon of the month. And I preached about Peter and Cornelius and Old Turtle, which is why I asked Amy if we could swap and read that one this morning. It was one of my favorite children's books, still is. It's why I'm glad Madeline went up front to get a closer look at those uh, images. The watercolors are just beautiful in this book, so I got to go up, too. Thanks, Madeline. I recall the message from that not being so much about the expansive names of God that's found, that are found in the old turtle book, though those are there. Rock, wind, mountain, star, river, tree but it was more about not creating God in my own image. The pivot in the book is when, after humans come, arguing about God and harming the earth, parts of creation begin to name God not in their own likeness, as they do at the start of the book, but in the likeness of the other. So the mountain, who sees God swimming in the sea, and the sea, who sees God in the snow-capped peaks, the stone who feels God in the breath of wind whispering past, and the breeze who feels God's presence among the rocks. Snapshot four, seminary. I recall an explosion of names for God in these three years of intensive study. Images of God found in the Bible, or discovered in the writings of theologians, or heralded by various new traditions that I was brushing up against, or revealed by the broad variety of human experiences, I recall Paul Tillich's Ground of Being, because God is the answer to the ontological threat of non-being. I recall the Queer God, Unveiled by LGBTQ biblical scholars and fellow students who opened my eyes in new ways to the God who defies expectations and norms and inhabits the margins. I recall the God of shards of light shared with me by a Jewish friend from the magnificent Kabbalistic story of a God who chose to put part of God's own self in divine vessels, divine vessels of light that then shattered, sending shards of light like sand or seeds into all of creation, shards that we work even now to piece back together for the sake of tikkun olam, which is something like shalom, the repair of the world, wholeness. I recall Vincent Harding, a self-ascribed veteran of hope, leader within the Black-Led Southern Freedom Movement, teaching me how other leaders from that Black-Led Southern Freedom Movement, those who were singing the movement, like Bernice Johnson Reagan and many others, how they took old church songs and simply swapped the word Jesus with freedom. Woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus, became woke up this morning with my mind stayed on freedom and sung from church rafters and so i came to know that jesus is freedom (laughs) freedom is god and so many more explosion of names at that time of my life snapshot five chicago bridged with colombia and mexico among other places i recall arriving to pastor my first church in Chicago, who was already well on its way in preparation as part of the new sanctuary movement to welcome William and Marina, Mennonite pastors from Colombia, living under threat of their lives and to provide sanctuary for them for six months. And when they did arrive, and we entered into one another's lives, and we slowly began to hear the truth and the horror of their story, I came to much more profoundly understand God as refuge, as winged protector, as sanctuary. And a few years later, when another Mennonite congregation also began renting space from the Church of the Brethren congregation where we worshipped, I recall more profoundly coming to know Jesus as undocumented refugee as he surely was, at least as a baby and a small boy having fled to Egypt. Most of the folks from Roca de Esperanza hailed from Mexico, and many of them lived in the fear of having no documents. And I was on speed dial for the pastoral family should they ever or anyone else in the church run into trouble, and they needed some white folks to show up. My experience of God as refuge as winged protector, as sanctuary, deepened even more. Snapshot six on the Camino de Santiago, where our friends Pete and Pat are walking even now. I recall nearing the end of my 500-mile pilgrimage, encountering a beautiful plaque. It was um, on a on the side of a building. It was a familiar verse, though, in Spanish. Yo soy el camino y la verdad y la vida. And I don't speak Spanish, so I'm sorry for those of you who do. (laughs) I am the way, the truth, and the life. Way is camino. Yes, I knew this translation of words, though I don't speak Spanish. I know some words and... I knew Camino and Way were the same thing, but I hadn't yet made the connection to who Jesus reveals God to be in relation to my experience on this long pilgrimage. Jesus said, I am the Camino. And here I was, something like 450 miles, done on my 500-mile pilgrimage Jesus said, I am the Camino, and suddenly all that I had experienced and learned on the Camino while walking alongside the peoples of the world, sharing vulnerably from the heart and soul of our respective lives, all of us stripped to our most basic needs, each of us receiving incredible hospitality everywhere we went, all of this revealed something new about who God is. It was transformative for me. Snapshot seven, Chicago. I recall the gathering at Mennonite Church USA having met and learned to know personally for the first time a gender nonconforming person whose pronouns were they, them. It's my first time fumbling through this they, them as singular pronoun and trying to get it right and messing up a lot. I recall returning to Chicago and processing with a man in my congregation and both of us realizing for the first time just how much opened up for us in pondering and using they, them pronouns for God. Already I had come to know God as beyond gender, even while embracing somehow the fullness of gender. Already I'd fallen in love with the God of Genesis chapter 1 who says, let us make humankind in our image. A God who right from the very beginning was plural, plural. But referring to God with they, them pronouns was new and somehow opening and somehow life affirming. And though I haven't made it a regular enough practice for it to be familiar to me even now, it's something that I want to keep incorporating into talking about God. Snapshot eight. Here, Lake City. I recall coming to know the ministries of Jonathan and Melanie on the streets of this neighborhood. I recall hearing testimonies of folks who attribute their being housed and their relative well-being to the faithful companionship of Jonathan and or Melanie. And this is not to say that the Neufelds are gods. You can tell them I did not say that in their absence. (laughs) I can testify to the fact that they are not But God as companion is a more real and alive image of God for me here than it ever has been before because of their witness. Snapshot nine. The Duwamish longhouse. I recall when a familiar and beloved text from Isaiah opened up in a new way. We had together been pondering racial justice and reparations as part of our season of Jubilee discernment and listening, And some were concerned that perhaps we were borrowing that word, reparations, from the secular social justice world, and that it was too backward-looking, trying to repair back there, rather than forward-looking. And we were hearing a powerful story of reparations and land return from Wazia Tawin and John Stays, and Isaiah flooded into me. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called repairers of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. God is repairer and restorer. God repairs and restores, and God's people will be known by their acts of reparations and restorations. These are a few snapshots from my limited but growing collage. The collage is the one, the snapshots are the many. (laughs) God is Father, Son, Holy Ghost. God is El Shaddai, the breasted one who nurtures life. She leads me by flowing waters, holding my hand. God is not made in my image, But revealed in whomever I have othered. God is the ground of being, queer shards of light longing to be rejoined into one, and freedom. God is refuge and sanctuary for those whose lives are in danger. God is the camino. God is beyond gender while somehow embracing the breadth of gender. They are love. God is companion and repairer of the breach, calling us into the same holy work of reparations. And the front of your communicator includes a few snapshots from the limited yet expansive collage found in the Psalms that we heard so beautifully read by Candace and Kareth this morning, thanks to the two of you. That ancient book of songs and prayers, and these are specifically from the excerpts of the Psalms that we heard this morning. God is love, a refuge and winged protector under whose wings we can find shelter. She is a river of delight, the fountain of life and light. They are sanctuary, inheritance, and a cup of blessing. He is prize, food and drink, and a rock. She is a fortress, our savior, and a rugged mountain. God is a hiding place, a shield, and shepherd. They are salvation, giver of justice, and one of my favorites, my exceeding joy. He is father, holy, and liberator. She is mother, strength of my heart, and keeper. They are parent, my portion, and home. I read this week that according to some within Islam, there are 99 utterable names for God and a hundredth name for God that can never be spoken. It's not my tradition, and so I speak with all the authority of one having read one Wikipedia article. (laughs) But it seems there is no universal agreement within Islam about those 99 names. But I love this idea that at least one name for God cannot be known or uttered. Today I've shared with you snapshots from a lifetime's worth of encountering more and new and surprising and sometimes healing and sometimes challenging names for God. And there's decades more names for God to discover ahead of me, not yet revealed, not yet spoken. Each a snapshot to add to my very limited yet ever-expanding collage of who God is. And this isn't written into my sermon, but now it's just occurring to me that I come with my collage and each of you comes with yours. And when we gather in this place, the collage grows. How cool is that? Wouldn't that be amazing to fill our walls with a collage? Ooh, I see Lisa. (laughs) Wheels are turning. (laughs) Thanks be to the collage of names and images that we call God. Amen.